think most of you would agree with me that when you were growing up, um, it's highly likely that somebody once posed the question to you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I find that a very interesting question. I actually feel like it's a legit question in, in a certain way. But if I can risk being a little uh, micro with you, think about the question. Not who do you want to be? What do you want to be? And the idea of that in the American culture almost always is the way of asking, what do you want to do when you grow up? But we don't ask it that way. Most of the time we are asking that question, but we're assigning it an identity. We're saying, what do you want to be? Not what do you want to do, but what do you want to be? Because in American culture, most identity is connected to what you're doing. And you've all heard the phrase, it's a little cliche, but it still expresses truth, that we are not human doings, we are human beings. But again, from the very earliest age, when people are wanting us to think through identity, they're attaching it just by default to activity. Identity is so connected to activity in the American culture that when we're asking young children, who they want to be, what kind of person do you want to be, what do you want your life to be about, it automatically is anchored in what you're going to do. And, of course, the questions um, are innumerable. Excuse me, the answers to that question are innumerable. But um, I just want to kind of address this thing today on this episode of Mavericks and Misfits. Um, have, let me just ask it to you. Like when you were little <laughs> and somebody asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And uh, again, I've already explained that. I don't think that's the best way to phrase that question, but that's the question we were asked. What do you want to be when you grow up? What, what was your answer? Did you have at a young age an idea of what you wanted to be doing with your life as a grown up? And then as you started working your way through school, um, typically, um, we kind of get an inkling of what we might want to do with our lives by the time we're, you know, getting close to the end of high school. Um, and then of course, many people go on to college and they base their trajectory of education, what they're going to major in. Um, and it's connected again to what do you want to be? Not who do you want to be, but what do you want to be? And so careers end up. Um, becoming the platform of identity for, I mean, I would say probably the majority of Americans. Um, if you're interested, do you know what I wanted to be <laughs> when I grew up, when I was a kid? Back then, we called it a disc jockey. I wanted to be a radio guy. I don't know why I wanted to be a radio guy, but I think it probably appealed to uh, my inner world. I spent a lot of time um, alone as a child. Um, both of my parents worked, my sister was older than me. And so I'd get home and I'd have hours and hours by myself at a very young age. And I created my own little world playing with action figures and writing stories and ironically doing recordings back on that, uh, back in the day technology of a cassette recorder, like you hold down, play and record at the same time. And you talk into your little box and it records your voice on a, uh, a tape recorder. And as I grew and really, really, um, as a teenager, just loved music. Um, my bands were whatever the popular bands were of that day, everything from, you know, indie 
rock to hard rock to Southern rock and uh, never was a country guy, never was a rap guy, but always liked ballads and stories that were told by song. So um, I listened to a lot of the music my mom kind of poured into me, um, you know, 70s rock and stuff. And so there was just something in me that said, man, I would love to be in a radio station, talk to people behind a microphone. And um, I want to be a DJ when I grow up. That's who I want to be. And I never, ever back in the day connected that that's actually what you want to do. It has no power to assign you identity, Jeff. And I was just one of those, like many others, like many of you. What I wanted to be uh, became who I would view myself as. Well, as my trajectory wound itself out, I um, got accepted to the University of Georgia I registered on a broadcasting major and never went. <laughs> um, sadly, I didn't get saved till I was 24. So when I was 18, my favorite thing to be was a pothead. I just smoked a lot of weed and drank a lot of alcohol. And that is not exactly a motivating force for furthering your education. And so literally a week or so before I was supposed to show up for my first class, I went to my dad and I said, hey, I don't want to do this college thing. And dad was like, oh, you don't? And I was like, no, I don't think so. He said, okay, well, that's fine. But um, if you're going to live under my roof, you're going to be in college. And I was like, I'm not going to college. And so we came to an agreement that it was time for me to move out. And there went my story. And it's too long and convoluted for an episode of Mavericks and Misfits because I want to stay on point today. But if you are interested in reading the twists and turns of the story of Jeff Lyle, you can get a copy of my book, Figuring It Out As I Go. You can get that on Amazon or you can order it at transformingtruth.org. And it will tell you the mess of a story and the power of redemption and the beautiful hand of God that rescued me from myself. But from the age of eight to the age of 18 or 19, who I wanted to be was a radio personality. And um, sadly, I had no sense of identity because identity cannot be attached to what you do for a living or what the bulk of your time and energy is, it, is um, committed to. Friends, identity is only recognized. Who you actually are is only legitimately recognized, explored, and enjoyed when you come to Jesus Christ. Because who you are is connected to God's timeless plan for you. He tells you who you are. Not only the general statement of all people who are saved, born again, as being sons or daughters. That's very clearly, that's the foundational identity for every child of God. You are a son of God, gentlemen. You are a daughter of God, ladies. And from that, we start finding out, oh, as a son, my father will give me my identity. As a daughter, my father will give me my identity. And that identity is very specific and unique because God, the creator, has not run out of ways to be creative. You are an expression of a desire from the infinite heart of God. We see that painted out in the early chapters of the book of Jeremiah, chapter one, where Jeremiah is told by God, before I formed you, I knew you. And then he tells him, Jeremiah, 
Who I am making you will be given expression through your office of an Old Testament prophet. And so from identity flows activity, and we've reversed it in the American church. Well, in the American culture, which the church is drinking heavily on. What am I talking about? We try to find our identity from our activity. And so we pursue activity. We pursue a career. We, and I'm saying we in the sense of, you know, general people in the American culture and sadly in the American church, we start figuring out who we are by framing up what we're going to do. And that's why a lot of people are miserable because what they're doing does not satisfy that inner thirst of connection with the almighty who will tell you who you are. Did you know that most people are ignorantly and unintentionally pretending to be who they are? They're pretending. And when I say that, it's not a conscious thing. They're not going out to be deceptive. They just have no idea that, that the life they're living is disconnected from who they actually are in the heart of God. You will never know who you are until you press into Jesus for a revelation of your identity. Now, I don't want to be a part of the problem in the American church where everything has become so obnoxiously me-centered. Oh, I got to have my calling. I got to have my safe space. I got to have my revelation, my truth, my, 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 my. Um, That is antithetical to the gospel because it's not about me and it's not about you. However, when we make it about Christ, God's pleasure is that when we are pressing into Jesus, we not only discover who God is through the scriptures, through the Holy Spirit, through fellowship with others, through learning, through maturing, through all of the processes that God has. We not only discover who he is, he delights to show us who we are. Because who we are in our identity, in our identity is literally established for the glory of God. So the more you enjoy who he has made you to be, the more you take pleasure in him and the more pleasure you take in him, the more he's glorified. That's why a lot of people are bored with Christianity because they sense such a disconnect. They're not even aware of it. They expect a disconnect. When you start talking to them about getting revelation about who he is and who you are in him, they're like, what? But, but the, the joy of the Lord is to reveal himself to you because in revealing himself to you, You not only discover the unfathomable treasure trove of who God is and his identity. Nobody has tapped that out yet. And let me give you a little newsflash. Nobody will ever tap it out. One of the glories of the eternal state is we will be forever experiencing and learning the infinite depths of God's character and goodness. We will be experiencing that and learning that and will never be done. And so in this life, by faith, we we are learning tiny little droplets of who God is. And those tiny little droplets are already life-changing. Like compared to what you're going to know about him, you know nothing. But what you do know and what I do know is so life transformational. And just imagine when you're not dealing with the limits of your intellect and the limits of your flesh and the limits of your ability to put the pieces of the puzzle together. All of that's just part of our reality right now. We see through a glass darkly, as the Apostle Paul put it, but then face to face. And so like right now, even what we're experiencing of the Lord by faith, even sometimes weak faith, struggling faith, 
unconfident faith. I mean, sometimes let's just be real. Sometimes that's our, our reality, but even that (laughs) has so captivated you that you're no longer the person you used to be and you're becoming more and more like Jesus. But most people, I don't want to say most, that sounds a little overly critical. It may or may not be most, but a lot of people who call themselves Christians and maybe are genuinely born again, have not yet experienced even the initial steps in the process of knowing who they are and getting comfortable, happy, and restful in that. So you're not, you're not trying to figure out what am I now that I've grown, grown up. You're trying to figure out who am I, what your activities, your duties, your responsibilities, your routines, what is a part of life. But if you lose your identity in that, you're going to be discontent. Every new mom goes through this, you know, the birth of the baby and you bring the baby home and everything's cute for a minute. And then you realize, oh my goodness, (laughs) this is going to be my life for years. And babies don't celebrate moms when they're one years old and two years old. The babies are little savages that say, give me what I want. And if you don't, I will scream. And because they're just operating off a functional instinct of need. I need food. I need to be changed. I need to be held. And moms don't get to clock out. So what happens is a lot of women who don't know their identity in Jesus as a daughter of God, they lose themselves in motherhood. Instead of seeing motherhood as a massive part of what they're doing in life, they can't, they lose their daughterhood in the season of demanding motherhood. Gentlemen, we do the same thing. Maybe it's not fatherhood. Maybe it's not, um, you know, some of these other things. But when you are working the grind, and these are generalizations. I know there's exceptions to every rule, so don't email me. Um, gentlemen, when you are, I, I am a construction worker. I am a doctor. I am an educator. I am a ditch digger. You know, I am, I am in 40 to 60 hours every week, you're clocking into what has become your identity and it doesn't satisfy you. It's because it's not who you are. It's what you do. So a lot of people inadvertently have become pretenders. They're not actually operating in the identity that God has given them because they can't separate what they do from who they are. And I'm going to tell you something. Ministry is no exception to this. I promise you. The bulk, golly, I keep going to extremes, but I'm just going to say what I feel. And if I'm wrong, God will straighten me out. But the bulk of um, vocational ministers, pastors, staff members, preachers, missionaries, prophets, whatever, church planners, counselors, the bulk of them in the Christian context, ministry becomes their identity. My goodness, I surely went through that. And didn't try to, didn't wake up one day and say, hmm, I'm going to let ministry dominate my identity for a decade. But it's exactly what happened. And what has to, what needs to occur is an interruption of that for God in his grace, mercy, and love to, if he needs to, shake you by the shoulders and say to you, even when it's ministry, Jeff, what you do is not who you are and you need to learn to make the distinction or you're going to be miserable and so are the people you're trying to lead. And so it just happens. So in no way is this accusation. This is, um, I hope, some counsel that will help some of you. Let me give you some 
pretenders that you find in scripture and just flow with me here. Okay. I'm not going to preach. I'm going to, I'm going to walk us through a couple of scenarios. Do you know the first people in the Bible, Adam and Eve, they became pretenders shortly into the story of their lives in the book of Genesis. What am I talking about? Well, when they were deceived by the serpent and they took of the tree that was forbidden to them to eat from, um, they fell. They fell. They disobeyed God and they fell. And as soon as they disobeyed God, they saw themselves naked for the first time and they've been naked the whole time. Some scholars believe that they were literally clothed in some form of glory that indicated their perfect abiding with the Father, their perfect fellowship, their perfect obedience, their perfect state of being sinless before the fall. And whatever that glory was clothed them. A lot of scholars think that's true. Maybe, maybe not, but definitely will preach. But Adam and Eve, when they fell, their eyes were opened. And for the first time, they were aware of their nakedness and they experienced shame. So what did they do? Well, they pretended not to be naked. Do you remember? They didn't want to be naked in front of each other and they didn't want to be naked in front of God because when God comes through, suddenly they had this knowledge of what was good, this knowledge of what was evil. And because they disobeyed, they had had this experiential knowledge of what was evil. They had disobeyed. They were aware of it. And so what they tried to do is pretend that they weren't disobedient, pretend that they weren't fallen. And so they tried to hide their nakedness behind what? Fig leaves. Big, big leaves off of trees to hide their nudity. Isn't that crazy trying to hide who they now were from the God who sees everything? And so we have this um, often used illustration of hiding behind fig leaves. It's a, it's a phrase, it's a pattern, uh, it's a speech thing that we use from time to time in the church, hiding behind fig leaves. What are we talking about? We're saying you're not acknowledging who you are and what you've done. You're pretending to be something other than you are. And you're pretending not to have done what you have done. You're, you're creating something on the outside to mask what is going on on the inside. And Adam and Eve were the first human beings. And guess what they did? They pretended not to be falling, hiding their nakedness and their shame behind insufficient fig leaves. They weren't the, the last to do that. A lot of people try to put a bunch of fig leaves out front so nobody can see how things are on the inside. And, um, you know, we get it from our forefathers, Adam and Eve. Can I just ask you a question not to be answered? Is it possible you're hiding some things? I'm not even really talking about sin. I'm just talking about you're hiding weaknesses. You're hiding fears. You're hiding insecurities about who you are behind some fig leaves that you've created that everybody sees your fig leaves and they actually think you to be something other than what you know that you are on the inside. Cause that's not God's best for you. That's not God's will for you. That's not God's portion for you to have to be a pretender. What do you remember? Like we don't get too far along into the patriarch stories. Jacob pretended to be Esau. <laughs> do you remember that? Do you remember when like Jacob wanted the blessing that was to go to Esau, but in order to get the blessing that was going to Esau, he had to pretend to be Esau. And so Rebecca, their mother, Jacob and Esau's mother, she, Jacob was her favorite, no doubt about it. And so she, she kind of costumes Jacob 
to look and feel like Esau when Jacob was going in to his father Isaac to get the blessing. And so she put those skin, those goat skins on his hands and on his neck. She prepared the venison and the food that Jacob posing as Esau. Esau was the hunter and Jacob's like, okay, working together and scheming with his mom, pretending to be Esau, we'll bring in some deer. He'll smell the deer. He'll feel your, your hands and the goat hair because Esau was a hairy dude. Um, and so they go in and Jacob says to Isaac, because Isaac says, who's here? Because he's blind. He doesn't see him. And Jacob says, it's me, Esau. I'm your firstborn. I've got the food that you asked me to give you, and um, I need you now to eat the food that I prepared for you and give me that blessing of the firstborn as your life is coming to an end. And Isaac's kind of picking up on something. He says, how'd you get the food so fast? And Jacob lies. He goes, oh, because God gave me favor. He says that. Um, And, you know, he just tells his dad, I'm, hey, man, I've got the blessing of God on me. That's how I'm able to bring you this. I am Jacob, your firstborn. And uh, Isaac's like, I don't think so. So his suspicions are up and he says, draw near to me. Come near to me. Let me let me feel you. I need to make sure you are who you say you are. But man, they already had that covered because Rebecca was as crafty as Jacob was. And they had already clothed, again, you know, Jacob in the goat skins to make it feel like he was his hairy brother. It's kind of strange, but so Jacob draws near to Isaac. He, Isaac puts his hands on him and he says, you know what? You sound like Jacob, but I was wrong because these hands are the hands of Esau. I feel your hairiness. And, um, you know, scripture says that Isaac didn't recognize Jacob. Why? Because he had gotten really skilled in this illustration of pretending to be his older brother. He had to pretend to be somebody that he wasn't in order to get what he wanted. That is what we call manipulation. That's what we call work in the system. That's what we call operating outside of your God-given identity to accomplish in the flesh what you are suspicious or skeptical that you might be able to accomplish in the spirit. So a lot of people, they, they pretend to be somebody other than they are in order to get something that they want and deceptions involved. And, uh, Jacob was living in a false identity in order to gain what he wanted. Um, be careful that this doesn't just sound like some boring Bible story because it happens all the time. Like in order sometimes to succeed in the workplace, you have to make compromises that go against your identity. Uh, I remember right after I got saved, um, a young man in the business world who was moving up in the corporate structure, um, he was a good friend of mine. And um, I mean, he was rapidly advancing. He was young, but he was rapidly advancing. He had an anointing on his life for business and um, marketplace wisdom. And he was gaining a lot of traction, making a lot of money. And he reached a certain level where his boss came and said, hey, we've got these massive clients coming into town. I want you to take them to the strip club. I want you to take them to the bar. I want you to wine and dine them. Here's the corporate card. Make sure these guys have a great time the night before the meeting. And we're going to we're going to seal the deal with them. So my friend was tempted externally to become somebody that he wasn't because he was a solid Christian man. And he told his boss, oh, um, hey, I'm, I'm actually not going to go to a strip club. And I'm actually not going to get these guys liquored up. 
and I'm actually not going to operate as somebody that I'm not in order to gain something that I think would be really good for our company, but it would be bad for my soul. So they fired him and all that momentum uh, was taken from him. All that money was taken from him, but his integrity was not. Why? Because he knew who he was and he refused to become something other than he was in order to get something that was appealing to him. By the way, great ending of the story. This guy's probably in his mid forties now, maybe late forties. And, um, he's crushed it over the years. He's been successful in everything that he did. He lacks nothing. But at that time he had to decide, am I going to pretend to be Esau when my name is Jacob? And he chose not to pretend. He chose to be who he was. Um, there's so many other examples in scripture. Um, do you remember? Well, of course you do. I've actually been preaching through the life of David. I teach it to year four students at Caneo Ministry Training Center. Um, that's going to be a standard class for year four students, the life of David, leadership lessons from the life of David. And do you remember that time where David had experienced for years and years and years, the hand of God under very difficult situations, but things became easy for him externally. He had conquered the lands. He didn't go out to war and, um, he ended up instead of being on the battlefield, he ended up walking on the roof of his house. He looks across the way and sees a beautiful young woman naked, taking a bath and he lusted after her. Her name was Bathsheba. He brought Bathsheba to his palace, knowing that she was another man's wife, and they slept together. And soon, not too soon after that, or not too long after that, um, she's pregnant with his baby. Her husband's away on the battlefield. So she knows, I just got pregnant by the king with whom I committed adultery. So sends word to David, I'm pregnant. Now, here we have David in a moment of sin. But David did not want to own up to the fact that he was an adulterer. So he pretended not to be one. But in order to pretend not to be an adulterer, guess what he had to become? A murderer. In order not to be exposed as an adulterer, David concocted a, a scheme that involved killing Bathsheba's husband. So David, in order not to be known as an adulterer, pretended not to be one and instead became a murderer or added to it the sin of murder. When you start pretending that you are not what you have become, it only goes downhill. And so God in his mercy and providence will send many opportunities to interrupt you from living a single day further in a false identity. And if you choose to repent and if you choose to acknowledge, man, I have become something other than I am. That's not great grammar, but I have become something different than what God um, has for me. I'm operating outside of the identity. I am not who I am supposed to be. And when you repent of that and let the chips fall where they may, and you, sometimes it involves some dramatic stuff, but it also prevents you from becoming further who you were never meant to be. David was not meant to be an adulterer and a definitely not a murderer. And yet because of his pride and because of his commitment to protect the, um, wrong identity that he had cultivated for himself, he ended up getting further and further away from the Lord and it cost him greatly. You know, time doesn't allow me to go in depth, but I can think of other people in scripture. Do you remember Jonah? Jonah 
pretended not to be a missionary. Hey, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to preach repentance. Jonah's like, you want me to go where? God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. You're my prophet. I'm sending you to Nineveh. God says, uh, you're going to go there and you're going to preach repentance to these wicked people. And Jonah's like, actually, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to be your missionary. As a matter of fact, I'm going to run from that call completely. I'm going to get on a boat and I'm going to head to Tarshish in a complete opposite direction. And so Jonah pretends not to be the missionary that God said he was going to be, the the faithful spokesperson for Yahweh to the city of Nineveh. Uh, Nineveh. And so Jonah goes the opposite direction, pretending not to be who God says he is. And when you choose not to be who God says you are, you end up doing things that God says you shouldn't do. And so we all know the story of Jonah. He ends up in the belly of a fish. The fish spits him out on the shore of Nineveh. First amphibious landing in the history of mankind. And Jonah walks into the city, preaches, and the city repents. And Jonah still wasn't happy about it because he didn't like what God had asked him to do. But God says, Jonah, I've assigned you an identity, and that identity must flow uh, from that identity must flow the activity I've designed from you. And if you don't embrace your identity, you'll end up giving yourself to activity that has nothing to do with God's plan for your life. And you create your own life. And when you stand before the Lord, God says to you, I told you who you were and you didn't listen to me. So you ended up doing things with your entire life that I never intended for you. I'm not talking about pagans. I'm talking about heathens. I'm talking about Christians. And so you stand before the Lord and you may have made a ton of money. You may have gone to great places. You may have accomplished a lot of things. But if these things were done outside of the identity that God has assigned to you, then you'll get no reward. Literally, it's possible to live a successful American life and stand before the Lord and receive zero reward for what you did with your life because you created your own identity and all the activity that flowed from that self-created identity means nothing in eternity. Hard word, hard word, but I'm trying to help some of you. It's never too late to start doing the right thing. It's never too late to turn around. Jo- Jonah pretended not to be a missionary. Another guy, another prophet, Jeremiah pretended that he no longer cared enough to speak for God. Remember? He said, I'm going to keep silent. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to give the word of the Lord anymore. He pretended not to be the spokesperson. Remember, God had said in Jeremiah 1, I knew you before I formed you. Identity. This is who you are. This is what you're going to do. Later on, Jeremiah, when he was doing what he was supposed to do and being who he was supposed to be, it didn't fulfill him anymore. It was costing him too much. So he, he just decided, I was, I'm going to quit. I'm not going to speak for the Almighty anymore. And then the next verse says, but it became like fire in my bones. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, when you know who you are, and even when you get discouraged about it, even when it's costing you, even when other people seem to be running past you at blazing speed and incredible heights as they pursue maybe what God has for them, but you hit a patch of discontentment about who you are, about your identity and the activity that you've been assigned, you can get discouraged. But man, once you know who you are and you try to walk away from it, it's fire in your bones. You won't be able to do it. 
You won't be able to live as a pretender. Jeremiah pretended he no longer cared enough to speak for God, but he actually did. And so what he was doing on the outside wasn't consistent with what God was doing on the inside of him. And that what God was doing on the inside of him began to burn like a fire all the way down to his bones, not in a destructive way, but in a, I can't contain, I can't suppress who I am and what I'm called to do. And so he repented. And of course, you know, he went on to uh, a very faithful ministry. Do you need more examples? Are you thinking on your own life? There's no, there's no accusation in this, no shame. But there is a call for us to consider, what are we doing? Are we actually aware of who we are? And if not, is that going to become a priority? Like you should know who you are in the Lord. And you should know who you are. And by the way, who you are will remain even when what you do can't remain. So moms, when your kids move out of the house and you've, your identity has been, I am their mom, now what do you do? Because your identity just packed up boxes and left, got married or went to college. They don't need you like they used to. And if you're not careful, those 18 years plus of your identity just moved out and you don't know who you are. When a man gets fired or loses his job, he doesn't know who he is anymore. When pastors and prophets and ministers no longer have the people calling them up saying, hey, come speak the word of the Lord into our lives. If they don't know who they are, then it, it, it becomes a manifestation that their identity has been wrapped up in their activity. What about Peter? Remember Peter? Little girl says, hey, you're one of Jesus's followers, right? No, nope. I don't know what you're talking about, girl. Comes back another time. I think you are one of his followers. Hey, I told you I don't know this Jesus. I don't know the man. Finally, a dude comes up to him and says, um, I think you are one of his followers. And in order to prove that he wasn't, in his identity, a follower of Jesus, Peter began to use coarse language, calling down curses, swearing to say to everybody, I am not a Christian. And the Bible says that that third denial, Jesus steps out. They're leading him into further depths of suffering. And he catches Peter's eyes. And Peter, when he saw the eyes of Jesus and heard the rooster crow, Peter's like, what have I done? See, there's no peace. There's no happiness. There's no protection when you live outside of the identity of who you are. What about Ananias and Sapphira? They pretended to be generous. Remember? Acts 5. Pretended to be generous. And they were lying. That prodigal son in the parable, he pretended not to be a son. He acted completely outside of the identity that was associated with his family and the honor of his father. And he went and lived in a pagan country, did pagan things and wasted his inheritance, pretended not to be the son of the father. He lived in a way that was um, in contradiction to his identity. By the way, the elder brother did the same thing. He pretended to love his father, but his love for the father was contingent upon the father's uh, outward approval of him. And so neither one of those sons, the rebel and the religious son, Two different men, two different dishonorings of the father. And that's what happens when we live in a way that seeks to exploit God for what we want. That's bad identity. So most of what I've given you today is um, negative examples of identity. And those are the backdrop by which we can just kind of look at our own lives and say, man, am I really being who I am? And friends, I'm going to tell you, sometimes it takes months and years 
for you to enjoy or not enjoy, but to um, engage in that process. But do it. Don't go on living on the treadmill. Don't go on just going through the motions. Lord, tell me who I am. You should know who you are. There should be continuing revelation of who you are. And it's not selfish to know that because you're not going around and declaring, hey, everybody, look at me. This is who I am. Because the more you know who you are in the Lord, the more a, um, a sense of hiddenness will come upon you. Because who you are in the Lord can be shared, but it's not to be marketed. Because who you are in the Lord is absolutely not for your glory. It's for his glory. And so you don't have to have everybody affirm who you are. People are probably going to resist who you are. Don't let it change you. Be who you are in Christ. But I'm going to tell you, when you are being who you are in Christ, there will be humility on you. There will be no sense of having to have the approval of dozens and dozens of people. When who you are is accused, you won't have to fight in defense because you're not afraid that what they're saying against your identity might be true. You can actually just say, oh man, they're wrong. I know who I am in the Lord and I'm going to be that person. Lots of thoughts on that today. And uh, may the Holy Spirit seal what needs to be sealed in your own heart concerning that. And I hope you'll tune in next time to Mavericks and Misfits. We'll talk to you later. Have you picked up a copy of Jeff's book, Figuring It Out As I Go? His life story of abandonment as a child, an embrace of the occult and addiction as a teenager, and a nearly deadly battle with depression and rage as a young adult serves as an intense backdrop to Jeff's supernatural conversion at the age of 24. From there, Jeff writes of powerful seasons of deliverance, healing, and breakthrough, which were followed by tragedy, betrayal, and deep challenges which only God could turn around. If you want to hear a powerful account of the triumph of God's grace and Jeff's surprising journey into the mysteries of the Holy Spirit, pick up a copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at jefflyle.com or wherever else you buy books. You can also download a copy of Jeff narrating Figuring Out As I Go on audible.com. 